Welcome to Talkin' Truth with comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy and Pastor Brian Clark. Today's special guest, Jeff Foxworthy, joins them. Look at these Christians and, you know, they're judgmental. I'm like, you're right. They are. We are. They screw up. They make mistakes. And that's why we need a Savior. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life and having a little fun. Get her done. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy, and we are on uh, Season 5, Unwavering Faith. Today, Brian's going to talk about Jacob Prospers, Genesis 30, 25-43. My special guest, once again, by popular demand, Jeff Foxworthy is with us again, my buddy Jeff. Jeff, thanks for being on this. My, my pleasure. And be totally honest, did anybody want me back? Absolutely. Well, to be honest with you, Ron White canceled. So. <laughs> Ron, Ron canceled, so we yeah. had to go. We had I'm to happy go. to step in. <laughs> but anyway, what's going to happen is Brian's going to read a little message here out of Genesis 30, 25, 43, and Jeff and I will just throw in our comments on it, and hopefully everybody will get something out of it. We're here to let you know about Jesus, and and he is your hope. Anyway, Brian, it's all up to you whether people believe or not. All right. Wow. All right. <laughs> I'll give it my best shot. Then. <laughs> so let's start off with this. How do you get a 1,200-pound horse to do what you want him to do? I'll tell you for certain, you can't force the horse to do anything. He's 1,200 pounds, and you're not. So how do you do it? Well, I would say one small step at a time. You have to be clear in your own mind what it is you want the horse to do. Then you break it down into small steps and celebrate the slightest progress in the right direction. See, that's how they did it on that show, My 600-Pound Life. Is that how they did it? To get him out of the house. They got him out of the bed and then just small steps to the door. Good. Well, then you're tracking with me. And then they cut open the door to... Twice the size. Okay, sorry, Brian. No, that's all right. So this is a good picture of how God teaches us to trust him by faith. No one becomes a great person of faith overnight. It happens one small step at a time. So Jacob is a good example of that. I mean, he's learning. When we left Jacob in the last episode, he had made quite a mess of things. He had four wives and 12 children. The tension between Leah and Rachel is obvious, and life at home for Jacob could not have been pleasant. But now he was ready to go back home. He had been a slave to Laban for 14 years. God promised to bless him, and Jacob believed God. He was ready to go home and experience God's faithfulness. Typically, the father-in-law would be expected to give his son-in-law and daughter what would be needed for the journey. But all Jacob asked for was his wives and his children. He knew Laban was a cheat and a deceiver. He also knew God promised to provide for him. One small step at a time, Jacob is learning to trust God. But Laban wanted Jacob to stay. Laban had become rich because the God of Jacob had blessed Jacob, and that benefited Laban. Through lies and deception, he had kept Jacob for 14 years. Now he asked Jacob, well, what would it take for you to stay? So Jacob laid out his terms. Jacob wanted every black, striped, spotted, and speckled sheep and goat for his own. This would be his pay. Typically, in such an arrangement, the shepherd got between 10 to 20% of the flock. Actually, what Jacob was asking for would be less than that. So Laban immediately agreed to the terms. Well, of course, the first thing Laban did is he had his sons pull out all the black, striped, spotted, 
and speckled sheep and goats from the herd and moved them three miles away. He was pulling them out of the gene pool so the flock would not keep producing black, striped, spotted, speckled sheep. Once again, Laban was cheating members of his own family for personal gain. The text tells us that Jacob responded by trying to manipulate the herd himself, arranging it so Laban got the feeble livestock and he got the strong ones. Perhaps he justified doing that because Laban had cheated him in the first place. The truth is, Jacob went back to old habits of trying to control and manipulate the circumstance. If you remember, the whole reason he was in this mess in the first place was because of his deception and lies with his own father. Rather than trusting God, Jacob went back to his old scheming ways. But here's the deal. The text tells us that God prospered Jacob exceedingly. Why? Because Jacob was such a great man of faith? No, hardly. It was because God promised to bless Jacob. The blessing was not because of Jacob's performance, but because of God's faithfulness. Was Jacob changing? Yes, slowly. One small step at a time, he was learning to trust God. Little by little, he was seeing God's faithfulness, even in the midst of his poor choices. The story of Jacob reminds us that God is not some angry, wrathful God waiting to clobber anyone who steps out of line. I hear people refer to the God of the Old Testament. Well, take a look at the God of the Old Testament. He couldn't be more patient and kind and generous to Jacob. As long as you believe God is an angry father waiting to blow up every time you mess up, I mean, you'll never trust him. He feels unsafe. But God really isn't like that at all. He's like a gentle horse trainer who patiently wants you to learn to trust him one step at a time. God sent Jesus and offers his spirit to live in us if we'll believe in him. He wants us to know him and trust him and walk by faith. He wants us to succeed, and he'll do what is necessary one small step at a time to teach us to trust him and to find our life in him. God was faithful to Jacob. He'll be faithful to you. So let's bring in Dan and Jeff and talk about this. Guys, can you believe how patient and faithful God was with Jacob? Well, I can, Brian, because he's been the same way with me. You know, to me, it's justification, which for those listening is 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 that moment of surrender when you realize in and of myself I, I I can't do anything and I need a savior that's kind of a thrilling moment but sanctification where you are trying to become more like your savior that's a that's a frustrating process it's a long long process and even when that's your desire it is so easy to veer off of the path. And, you know, I've done that many times, but Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, you know, would say the same thing. He was like, why do I do things I don't want to do and don't do the things that I want to do? And yet that same God of Jacob and of Paul and of Jeff, he he is just infinitely patient with us. Absolutely. I mean, I, I completely agree with Jeff. You know, sanctification is just a long, long process. He tells you it's going to be a long process. It's not going to happen overnight. 
you know, when I look back over my life as well, I've made so many dumb decisions. And there's been so many things that could have happened from those decisions that didn't happen. It was just God showing patience with me and just working with me. And now, now that I'm older and I've really rededicated my life back to him, I can see those times when he was so patient with me where I could have just said, you know what? You're on your own, but he didn't do that. And so he's, he's, he's definitely very, very patient. And I learned something. We did a, the last thing we talked about his family all messed up. If they would have just waited, but they wanted to do it themselves. I'll be honest, Brian, I learned from that a couple of weeks ago when we did that because we had a situation in my own family where something was happening. And I was like, oh, well, you know what? Let me just make a couple of calls. Let me see if I can get this hashed out. And my wife was like, you know what? Don't do anything. Just don't do anything. Let God deal with it. You don't need to do this. Let God deal with it. We don't need to cause any bigger problems than there is. Just let God deal with it. And I thought about last week when the family was all messed up because they tried to get out in front of things and not let God do it. And I said, I'm going to let God deal with it. And that's what I did. And it all worked out perfectly. And so that was a lesson I took to heart. But I wouldn't have Years ago, I would have dealt with that differently. So that's a part of a sanctification process. It took a while to learn that, but I did learn that. So people just have to understand that when you're trying to be more like more like Jesus, it doesn't happen overnight, and it's a long, tedious process, but you got to remember and be faithful. God is there for you. He's He knows what's going on, and you just have to be faithful. I think that's great. One of the things I see all the time as a pastor is what we're saying is none of us are perfect. We're going to struggle. We're going to mess up. It's one step at a time, uh, more and more conformed to the image of Christ. If that's true, then it's critically important that we have a right view of God. Because what I see all the time as a pastor is people have a really messed up view of God. And they convince themselves if they mess up, then God's going to whack them or God's going to get even with them or every bad thing in life is God punishing them. And if that's your view of God, then you just distance yourself more and more from God, which usually is just going to get you in more and more trouble. So when we read these Old Testament stories, part of what we're trying to look at is to formulate a right view of God and to see how patient and gracious and merciful God is. Absolutely. And what this whole podcast is about, what we try to get across is it's not about religion. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. And would I be wrong in saying that a lot of people turn away from religion because religion to me seems it comes from the outside in where a relationship from with Jesus is from the inside out. And religion is basically just trying to patch things up, and it doesn't really get to the root of the problem, religion. It just kind of patches up your problem. You're trying to— you know, and— Is that sense? That that was the reason for the law, is to show us, you know, where we were going wrong, what our sins were. Uh, Yeah, I I 100% agree, but— and, and Brian, probably to your point, you know, I had somebody say to me one time that they didn't like the Bible because it was just a big book of rules. And I said, you know, in, in my view, it's 
the greatest love story of all time. It's not a book of rules. It's the love story of a father that will meet you wherever you are, no matter what kind of mess you have created and are standing in. He will meet you right there, but he also loves you so much that he's not going to leave you right there. You know, what we mean when we talk about sanctification is, I I love you. I'll come get you out of this swamp, but we're not going to stay in the swamp. And we, we got to walk and we may hit more wet patches and all, and but hopefully we get on dry ground because we're going to move away from this. And and I think it's a lifelong process. You know, the, the reason for original sin was ego. And I think when we mess up, when we fall off the path, it, it's always our ego. It's always like, I can fix this. I can figure this out. I can do this. You know, it reminds me of my one-and-a-half-year-old grandson. Nah, 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 nah. He, he's going to do what he wants to do. But in his mind, he, he sees no danger in walking across the street by himself. And I'm like, yeah, when I look at you, buddy, I, I kind of see what I do with God. No, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, God's like, you have no idea what you're doing. Let let me handle this. Yeah, I think that imagery of a parent or grandparent, like, what do you want for your kids? The you best. want the best for your kids. Yeah. But it's a process of trying to help them get there. I think that's a good imagery of God. You know, Tony Evans said a, a really cool thing one time. He said, uh, for an oak tree to grow, there you put the acorn in the ground. You don't have to do anything else. Everything is in that acorn. That that thing needs to grow. And he's kind of like, that's what happens when you get saved in the sanctification process. That acorn is right there. And all you have to do is just start digging for the stuff inside of it and start growing from the inside out. And that's what sanctification process is. And for all people that are examining Christianity and wanting to know what it's about, it's the first step is to believe and then just have faith that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And it's going to take times, like Jeff said, he still makes mistakes. I've seen many of them. He still makes mistakes, and I still make, and you still make mistakes. Oh wow! But man, the cool. This is how awesome God is. He says, "Get back up, get back up." You know, you're gonna fall, and you're gonna get back up. That's the cool thing about it. Well, and, and I think I think that you know I've always been fascinated when God said David was a man after His own heart, and if you look at the life of David. David screwed up a lot. David did some bad stuff. But, and so you would go, well, why is a man like this somebody that God would call a man after his own heart? But I think what it was, was every time David got off the right path or every time David screwed up or stumbled, he got back up and he walked back towards God. And to me, that's the mental image of sanctification for me is hopefully... I'm not walking as far away from God as I used to. It's I only have to get a few steps and I go, whoop, 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 where's the solid rock on which you stand? Because we've walked back into the quicksand. And this time I'm not going to walk 10 miles. I'm going to walk a couple of steps and I'm going to come back to you and trust you that you are in control. That's, you know, I, I think of our whole time on earth, we never get our tassel flip. We never 
graduate, no matter how much we want to be like that, we're always we're always going to stumble and we're always going to fail. But man, thank you, God, that you're that patient with us. Yeah, and I think part of the the message of the New Testament that's so full of hope is the promise that He will get us to the finish line. He is yeah. going to complete what He started. Yes, and that's I think what gives us what we need to get up. And keep going. It's not like a race where there's one winner and everybody else is a loser. It's like he's going to finish what he started. He's going to get you there. So maybe some of our listeners are really down and feeling like they've really messed up. But to realize it's never been about your performance. It's about God's faithfulness, just like with Jacob. And he's going to get you there and the end's going to be glorious. And that message is full of hope. Absolutely. And the thing that's cool about David that makes you excited is he repented for of those things. He's, he was done with it. He un, came to understand, and he repented of that, and he didn't go back and do it again, and he came back to God, and he understood what he did. But he also knew that he had to pay the consequences of what he did, and he took personal responsibility for that. Which, which is really cool because now you just know that in your life, you could, it's the same thing for you. You may have done this, and it has really hampered your family. It has hampered what you do in your life. But you know what? Repent of what you did, forget about it, and move on, and you too can be a man after God's own heart. That's gone. Once you repent of that, you're going to have to live with the consequences, absolutely. But man, how awesome is that? He's taking care of it. You know, you know it, it, repent is is a deep word. If you go, and I do this all the time, I go look up the definitions of word. And I think I think a lot of people, when they hear the word repent, they think, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's only part of it. If you go look up the definition of repent, one of the definitions is to change the way that you think. And I think Jesus meant that a lot when he would say to people, repent. I think what he was saying was, you've got to change the way you think. And and that's why, you know, God talks about every day, kind of every morning, renewing your mind. It's like, change the way you think. You're not in control. I am in control. And I, I have my hand on you. I, I love you more than you can fathom that I love you, but you're not in control. Just like my one and a half year old grandson is not in control and he doesn't know what's best. I love him more than he can fathom. And all I want for him is good. And I'm going to sometimes do things that he doesn't like and he's going to fuss about, but it's for his own good. And I think, you know, I'm, a, I'm just a mental picture guy, but I think let people absorb that about repent. Change the way you think. Yeah, can you imagine if the whole world came to Jesus and changed the way they thought and changed their hearts? What an awesome world we would be living in right now. Well, we, and, and you will one day, and it's called heaven. Absolutely. Um, so for now, it's one person at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, none of us have our tassels turned. You know, sometimes when I will have discussion with folks about Jesus and they're like, well, look at these Christians and, you know, they're judgmental. I'm like, you're right. They are. We are. 
they screw up, they make mistakes, and that's why <laughs> we need a Savior. Because <laughs> in and of our own, we cannot do it ourselves. Absolutely. That is so That is so good. That's exactly why. We're not perfect. When people go, boy, hypocrites, hypocrites, they went out and did. You know what? Absolutely. We need a Savior. We're not perfect. And before we go, I wanted to say one thing about Jacob. For 14 years, that guy lied and deceived him for 14 years. And I, I will say this. I've never done that. However, to get my wife to marry me, I did it through lies and deception. (laughs) There you go. I lied about my age. So, okay. See you next week. That's all for today's episode of Talkin' Truth. Dan and Brian will be back next week, along with their special guest, Jeff Foxworthy. Before we go, be sure to request your copy of Brian Clark's book, Unwavering Faith. This powerful resource follows the life of Jacob and helps you see what it means to live by faith, not by fear. Get your copy of Unwavering Faith at TalkinTruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com.